Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on From the Center, Looking to the Left and Right, this Friday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Now, doctors diagnosed four-year-old Solomon with muscular dystrophy a progressive muscle degenerative disease. A year later, doctors discussed wheelchairs with the family. But Solomon protested that he didn't want to have to use one. Family and friends prayed for him and raised funds for a professionally trained service dog to keep him out of that wheelchair for as long as possible. Tales for Life, the organization that trained my service dog, Callie, is currently preparing waffles to serve Solomon. Though Solomon accepts his treatment, often bursting out in songs of praise, God's some days are harder. On one of those difficult days, Solomon hugged his mom and said, I'm happy that there's no MS in heaven. The degenerating effects of the sickness affected all people on this side of eternity. Like Solomon, however, we have an enduring hope that can strengthen our resolve on those inevitably tough days. God gives us the promise of a new heaven and new earth. Our creator and sustainer will dwell among us by making his home with us. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more deaths or mourning or crying or pain. When the wait feels too hard or too long, we can experience peace because God's promise will be fulfilled. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. Thank you for strengthening our resolve with the surety of our enduring hope. In your son's Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday. We got a little bit of a treat for you here today. We currently have on the phone with Tim and I a writer an author, a name that you are going to be recognizing because uh, she currently is a conservative-leaning writer for the likes of the Spokesman Review. We're now, talking about none other than Miss Sulani Madsen. Now, I don't know that that you, you can say conservative-leaning just because the Spokesman Review has her on there, and she might look like she's conservative <laughs> if you read her articles. Like her, like her article this last Thursday was, Group Works on Building Trust to Bridge Divides. I think... You know, some of us looking from the center, like the title of the Today Show, looking from the center to the left and right, I think a lot of us are more in the center than we are left and right, because the center says everyone should be treated equally, government shouldn't pick winners and losers, and government's supposed to protect our freedoms, liberties, and property. And when you look to the left and you're, you're right, it's the further you go out is radicals who want to use government to inflict their will on other people, and that's not our view in the center of government. Right. And so Sulani's got an interesting perspective on this because of her travels and her writing. So we're going to listen to her on that looking from the center to the left so sulani jump on in okay well it's funny i just was visiting my uncle who asked me would if i would describe myself as a conservative or libertarian and i said well i'm i think i'm a libertarian conservative or a conservative libertarian which is kind of what you were just describing and at this point i'm coming to the conclusion that centrist just describes anyone who recognizes that we share this country. We all have different points of view, and we need to come to the center, not leaving behind our firmly held beliefs and principles, but recognizing that we have to figure out a way to live to live with them together. And yes, it's one of the things that has drawn me to becoming more and more involved with Braver Angels because it provides forums for really structured conversations where it's okay to say just exactly what you believe without worrying about being 
called a whole bunch of ists and names for whatever. Exactly. Um, so one of the conversations we had just this last week was the Central and Eastern Washington Alliance of Braver Angels. We had a regular meeting and we had decided we were going to discuss, we had two questions. We actually didn't pass the first one, which was, how do you feel about how the recent midterm elections went? And we were trying to leave that open-ended so that people could talk about, however, whether they saw voter fraud, voter suppression, voter, you know, whatever. What was, How did you feel about how the elections went? Interesting thing was that two of the members who are uh, quite blue-leaning both said that they were so encouraged because democracy had been saved. That was the, the short version of what they had to say. Sure. But they saw all this as some very encouraging signs, and so they were very pleased with it. There, And then I and several others on the red side, you know, I pushed back a little because so one of my friends on this group had said she was so encouraged by such high voter turnout. And I said, you know, I just before I got on this call was looking at some numbers that indicated a particularly low Republican voter turnout compared to the last midterm. So I'm it's a, it's discouraging to see that kind of voter suppression. And I chose that term deliberately because that's taking a term that the left likes to use and pointing out how it applies more broadly through discouragement, through discouragement, feeling like King County controls things in Washington. And that's a real reaction. Same subject came up in a conversation in Seattle at a dinner on Thursday night, again, with a group of folks I'm collaborating with on some Brave Angels project. And those who were from the Seattle area said, where is that discouragement coming from? I said, every election since Gregoire and Rossi, there are people who are discouraged who choose to not vote as their protest, who who they believe that election was fraudulent and they've not gotten over it. And none of those folks in, in King County were aware that that was still an issue in memory. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of things that come up when you can actually have those conversations, is that you can see how things do look completely different from another point of view. It gave them an insight into why there are still people who have a problem with believing in voter integrity. I honestly think that we run elections pretty well. There are always things that can be improved. There's always going to be individual instances of problems. I think we actually do a pretty good job, but some of that distrust has deep roots. And unless we can bring those up to the surface so that everybody sees them, we can't we can't deal with them. I, I, I could tell you where I know where there's a lot of distrust. And I think that, you know, wh- whether okay. there's shenanigans or not in elections, it's the mess of elections. You know, when I was growing up and my parents took me in and said, this is how we vote. That's not what we do anymore. We don't stay up late at night. It's not one of those school nights where it's like, I get to stay up late mm-hmm. to find out the election results because I'd have to, you know, not sleep for three months. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. they start counting ballots before the election happens. You know, there's, uh, we talked about it on a show earlier this week. You've got the ballot harvesting stuff that goes on. Then you got the rehabilitation of ballots. And it's just like this endless money process. You know, who can organize the best boots on the ground to force people to turn out and vote? Because to me, it's it's all of those details that take money and organization to, you know, rehab mm-hmm. ballots and all of that big mess. So it, it makes a lot of people mistrust elections, not only because of that, but also I think that you use the term voter suppression. I also think there's voter intimidation that a lot of people are protesting elections because they're sick of the advertising, the amount of money that's put into elections. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly asked for more donations for candidates. You're like, I don't want any more of your information. I don't want to donate. I know who I would vote for in this race if it were yesterday or next year. Sure. And, and let's not forget, you know, during the last week up to Election Day, how many different texts do you remember getting? I oh, mean, texts, I had to have yeah. gotten between 50 and 70 texts different texts. And, and then mailers that are always misleading. And then you get the black and white mailer like the 
one with Bob McCaslin that yeah, we kept talking about, where some group out of Washington, D.C. put this black and white and red letter and grays and scary stuff about Bob McCaslin. Why are they involved in our local elections from an organization in D.C.? So what are your thoughts on that, Sulani Madsen, about the voter intimidation with just the barrage of garbage that we get from politicians and their organizations? Well, I actually think you're on you're onto something. There are some things that we're just not thinking about it. Because, like, on the one hand, I mean, I know my local elections official. I've been over there. I know what I've seen what they're doing when they're processing, and it's all very deliberate and careful. However, the process as it is set up now is not one that invites a lot of confidence because there is just so much time lag and so much time dragged out. And when you talk about all of the massive text, texts and repeated mailings and the advertisements and all that, it does it starts to become like a swamp that nobody wants to wade into. And I think there are some issues. There are some issues with ballot harvesting that need to be addressed. There are issues that need to be addressed that might be able to be addressed with some better legislation. But some of it is that how we've turned campaign election day into election season, and it's just. There's too much. It's too long. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. People tune out. Oh, you bet. And uh, so I think I think you're right, Tim, that that there that is a piece of it as well. Um, well, and I don't think that's a right or a left issue. I think that's people are no, are wanting government to everybody. get to work. If government is so efficient, we used to do elections in a day. The rest of the world's laughing at us because it right. takes us months and lawsuits, and we don't even certify our elections until you know what some people would call after Thanksgiving or just before Christmas. <laughs> you know, if you celebrate the holidays. But right. the amount of money that's involved. A lot of people don't believe their voice matters, not just because of the ballot harvesting and everything else, but because of the organizations behind campaigns. It used to be city council was a $5,000 endeavor. Now it's 150000 or, you know, these gubernatorial mm-hmm. races that are in the millions and millions. And you're looking at it like if you broke down all the money that was spent on your ballot to get you to turn out and vote, would you vote or would you just take the 200 bucks? <laughs> yeah, no doubt, yeah, man. I agree that there's a, a an unseemly amount of money that is spent on elections. I don't have a solution to that. I, but I agree that that's a piece of the problem. You bet. One of the reasons that I like participating with Brave Angels is we actually we have conversations tackling that and coming to the conclusion. We very quickly find that we have a lot in common of the, with that kind of irritation and indignation over the cost. And regardless of how we felt about how the election came out, those are things that we could agree on. And if we could just get our act together long enough in a legislature to be a little less polarized about it and recognize that everybody's constituents would like this to be cleaned up, we might be able to do something. Well, And, oh, and I know on the second half of the show, we've only got a little bit of time on the first half. We want to talk in about some other issues and things and projects that you've worked on in your writings. But as a journalist and as a writer locally here, when you look at the amount of money in elections, obviously media is a big beneficiary. So the consumer might want to have more investigative reporting on things happening in their community, dealing with crime or what local government's actually doing, rather than the constant advertising and coverage of elections that are a season, like you say. How could we talk media into injecting their industry into the industry of campaigns because that's really what it is it's not about a political process of picking our representatives our executive branch leaders it's an industry now and media has a piece to play in that have you had any discussion with other journalists about that it's interesting that you should bring that up because the group that i was meeting with for dinner in in seattle on thursday was we were talking about how do we address polarization in the media 
that is contributing to election fatigue, uh, not serving the public well in terms of providing good information on which to make decisions. And that's another project for 2023 that, that I'm working on. But the, it's it's actually a big point of conversation in a lot of journalism schools. There are some studies going on. Journalism as a profession has woken up that problem they've created. You know, when you look at rankings for least trusted, I think it's politicians and then journalists. Uh-huh. And uh, Well, and that's because and, the politicians buy all the political ads and then the journalists that write the articles can't go against the people that pay for their dinner. (laughs) They pay their paycheck basically, right? If you work for a media group that's getting $10 million from political campaigns from one, depending on what state you're in, it could be from Republicans or it could be from Democrats. You're not going to come out against those people that are funding your production, right? Right. And you kind of tipped at one of the other issues, which is we have a number of states and you can see it in Washington and Idaho from two different directions, where when one party is in power for decades, uh, are really all they're slanted in one direction, those power, that money power is slanted in one direction as well. And that tends to drive the narrative that, that media goes after. And so it's a, it's a really interesting challenge to try to unravel that. And I'm just crazy enough to think that I can help try and unravel that oh, you oh i'm glad you're we'll interested in next year i'm glad you're interested in helping unravel that as a uh, reporter and a journalist so we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with sulani madsen author and columnist for the spokesman review we'll be right back to our spokane area veterans and their families if you haven't checked out the hilliard veterans of foreign wars post 1474 located at diamond and regal street in spokane you gotta be there or be square the hilliard vfw is there to assist you and yours with all your va questions give them a call at 487-3784 weekly bingo cards bowling dart tournaments and meal specials are just a few more things that the hilliard vfw offers stop on by give them a call 487-3784 and welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim from the center, looking to the left and right this Friday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I'm kind of feeling surrounded with that title, Mike. But, you know, at the same time, I think that most of us are surrounded and it's the outliers that are controlling the circle oh, absolutely, that uh, we need to deal with. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, Sulani made a very impactful statement to me during the onset of her comments with regard to the first meeting that she ended up attending over on the West side, because there were two blue leaning individuals that told her, Hey, I love the election. Democracy was saved. Right. Now, I'll tell you, you know, all through the midterms here, those campaigns, you know, what you were hearing from a lot of mainstream media sources is that you've got incumbent Republicans and candidate Republicans that they're just hell bent and solely in the race to destroy democracy. So, you know, again, it was one of the battle charges cries okay from the democrats to the american people look you if you elect these republicans they're going to destroy democracy well so, they, they, they kind of took the antithesis then, this position of the sure. horn hat guy thing because we even saw yes. that in the local papers the horn hat guy was part of the our local election somehow you know january 6th when we're yeah like, the uh, front page of the spokesman review just, the voters pamphlet right. oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're just hoping that the election's certified before january 6th <laughs> okay that's you know that's kind no of where kidding. we're at no kidding 
But now to hear that Sulani is going to be engaged in looking at, again, the voter fatigue, you know, being caused by or contributed to by mainstream media, that is a good thing. And boy, I tell you what, I cannot wait to to sit down with Sulani after she finishes doing that little bit of research for sure. Well, and and the other thing Sulani brought up having to do with the people from the West side to the East side is, you know, the East side, of course, we have the, if we had better voter turnout, we'd have different statewide election results. But ever since the Gregoire Rossi issue, but even ever since then, you look at a statewide map, whether it's for, you know, Tiffany Smiley race with Murray or the last, I don't know, six gubernatorial races. If you are on the West side and you look at your map, you'd have to be from the Northwest side because the Southwest side doesn't vote to elect the people that run our state government. It's like seven counties out of 39 counties. Yeah. It's, you know, a huge population. If you live over there, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you can say, yeah, I can see why it turned out the way it did. But if you live in the rest of the region, which is the size of some European countries in Washington state, you're like, uh, this is not representative government. So let's touch on that just a little bit more, the map and the divide in our state, Sulani, and then we'll jump off into a few other things. Okay, well, just uh, briefly, our Cascade Curtain is real. We do have, it's obvious when you look at the map. Um, I love that name too, the Cascade Curtain. (laughs) We do need to have more conversations across that and not let that be such a barrier. One of the things, as I'm working with Brave Angels, we have, it's more difficult to attract more folks who lean, lean red, lean conservative to the group because one, as one woman said, you know, I have to swim in that culture all day and i really don't want to try you know i understand how the the blue side looks because that's the culture i have to swim in so i don't know that i want to keep trying to to correct that and i think that's true we swim in a blue culture i think somebody we have some folks that participate with our central eastern washington group that are from north idaho and they express they've got the same problem they're kind of blue leaning and there they are in in northern idaho feeling like they're stuck in in that same kind of situation. So to start with, it's just recognizing where you lean and what the culture is around you and being able to translate. So it's about learning how to translate, and we need to be doing more of that that listening long enough to understand where somebody else is coming from to be able to say, hey, I never thought of it that way. Now, Sulani, uh, if you get an opportunity here in the next couple of minutes, could you tell the listeners a little bit more about this angels group that you're affiliated with? I mean, is this a bunch of professional uh, journalists that are uh, coming together? Uh, what is it? No, Braver Angels is a is a national group that was started in 2016 by some folks who saw the country's reaction to the 2016 election results and said this this country needs family counseling. And so it's really about figuring out how do we talk to each other. Braver Angels is not political. It's totally focused on what are the steps that have to happen to build trust. And one of them is to build relationships. So if you've got a working relationship with somebody who has a completely different political opinion, then you are no longer going to call somebody else who shares that opinion your default is not to call them all sorts of names and stereotype them. It's to recognize that there's a there's a lot of individuals. So this is really about getting yourself out of stereotypical thinking. Right. So Braver Angels has alliances that provide a lot of workshops for individuals, but we are now, Braver Angels is now moving into working with politicians as group. Al French and Mary Cuny were both at the Washington State Association of Counties Conference, where Bill Doherty, who's one of the founders, spoke. They were both enthusiastic about having him come and do a workshop with the, the new county commission, maybe get city councils involved, all about how do we focus on working together instead of throwing darts. Well, right. I think that's a good and place to a- start at the county level. And I, I think some of the polarization in our country has 
has to do with, for one, I mean, this whole thing about the presidential race. And, you know, we talked about 60% voter turnout in Spokane County. We've seen where the presidential elections have really high voter turnout in the last handful of decades. When our constitution actually, other than being a commander in chief, the executive branch isn't supposed to be where all the power is, certainly not the president. Your local government is supposed to be making most of the decisions. And it seems like because we have this money laundering scheme of government, whether you're a conservative or, or from the left, you know that the people that get the federal government grants and then the state grants come down. And so we have this flow of money that they take out of our, our pockets and our economy that you know goes to D.C. or it goes to Olympia and then it comes back when more of the decisions should be made by local government, it seems. Right. And it doesn't all come back. So at any rate, just very briefly, what Braver Angels has a systems of workshops and of working together. We're available to individuals, lots of individual workshops, lots of interesting debates to listen to. And but starting to work with uh, politicians as a group, with congressional staffs as a group, and now looking next year, working with media and journalists as a group and really trying to create change from the grassroots. Because like you said, it's got to start at the city and the county level, because if right. we can't get the very local politics right, there's no way we're going to get the national politics exactly. right. Exactly. got to start at the local level and start building those levels of uh, trust and communication there, both because... That's where citizens need to learn to talk to and listen to each other. But also those those are the politicians at the local level that very often move up to those higher levels and they will take what they've how they've learned to navigate representing an entire and diverse community. If they figured out how to do that at the local level, then hopefully they can take that with them up further. Oh, you bet. Now, is the webpage there for BraverAngels.com or a .org? It's a .org. Okay. .BraverAngels.org. If you just uh, Google Braver Angels. Yeah, Washington Braver Angels, you'll find the link and you can find all sorts of interesting things there. Most all those workshops are available free. You can make a donation if you're able, you know, $10 donation if you want to, but all of it's available. And there's some interesting ones on how to how to have Thanksgiving dinner without getting into a fist fight. That's how we <laughs> well, you know, I wish I would have known about Braver Angels because <laughs> I could assure you something like that. I mean, not that we had a physical fist fight or anything, but it sure would have been something comical to share with what? the listeners for Thanksgiving. See, I, I, the, the rule of Thanksgiving was just, you, you know, you always give, you know, grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, whoever the hosts the, are the, the elder is in, yeah they're all oh, yeah, the the yeah you, you give them the knife from carving the turkey and that keeps everyone honest <laughs> but well, you you may, your listeners may be able to find one of those recorded ones that was done pre-thanksgiving and use it for christmas dinner <laughs> there you go right right okay so uh what else do you have going on in the journalistic world i know that uh, we had you on before oh yeah and let's not about, forget we definitely want to take a couple minutes and talk about the book that's coming out well you've got a book coming out oh. and uh the Associated Press, we talked about them and the uh, the standards. So briefly touch on that because that was something our listeners were interested in because basically limiting your voice as a journalist. Well, that was an interesting piece of the conversation Thursday night. Uh, Monica Gutzman has written an, an interesting book called I Never Thought of It Like That, where she's really introducing people to and to journalists as well about how you can you do a much better job as a journalist if you can make sure you're you're thinking about it in different ways so we talked about the ap and she asked two of us who are on the more conservative side we're talking about how our one of our biggest problems is you can't use all the words you can't use the plain language you, you want to use and that makes it difficult to discuss to discuss solutions and she was a little taken aback when i said you know i just i looked at the associated press just got re-ranked by mediabiasfactcheck.org that's a, a website that i look at to kind of see where different 
organizations are coming from, but the the Associated Press is now indicated as left of center. And part of the problem is the AP style guide is what sets the tenor for what means for mainstream media. In fact, at this point, I would say it's mainstream media is defined by organizations which have fully adopted the AP style guide as their framework because that limits how well you can cover a conversation. And and she was aware of that as well. You know, if you see it, if you're reading an article and it talks about reproductive justice, you automatically know what point of view it's coming from. Sure. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, just well, just uh, by virtue yeah. of the words the, that the, are being the, used. Well, and, yeah. and, and, and the words being used, if you're a journalist and you have to, you know, conform to how you talk about these difficult issues, non-binary politics, right, or binary politics. <laughs> and right. so uh, there's an author out there that came out with a book that says controlling words, controlling minds, and how basically mm-hmm. you've got individuals that are now like the Associated Press that's obviously more left-leaning and now admittedly, and the fact-checking organization said, yeah, obviously it's a left-leaning source, and they're con- they're now controlling journalists' speech more or less because they want to control the words that you use, which controls our culture because it's hard to talk about issues if we have to use their narratives like you said reproductive justice well that's they can do that in a lot of areas yeah and the the style guide is really useful for just there's a whole lot of very practical things that it takes care of i mean how, how do you address the pope how do you use ordinary language how do you use commas and punctuation and titles and how do you make a citation there's a lot of very very just nuts and bolts stuff but when it comes to deciding what are the appropriate words to use for things that are quite contentious it tends to pick a side Uh And so that's the problem. And that's the other interesting thing that came out of uh, something someone was someone who had been hosting, uh, facilitating a discussion between a group leaning red and a group leaning blue. The group leaning blue asked as a question of curiosity, they asked of the other of the red leaning group. So what do you consider your news sources? Now, what they were expecting to hear was Fox News. What they did not expect to hear was the answer. The answer they got was, we don't trust any mainstream sources. <laughs> <laughs> right. You um, got to have a multitude of inputs to read between the lines. Yeah. Right. Right. And so that and that was a surprise. They they had this idea that there was some monolithic news source. There really isn't. And I think that's that's been my experience in people that I talk with that people find they find podcasts. They find a friend that they know that they trust who who reads widely, and they want they, they take information from them. People are many people are vetting their own news sources now, and they're not just taking the word of, you know, because it's got legacy behind it that it, uh, therefore it must be trustworthy. And that that's really kind of sad because we have gotten to the point where we are mistrusting institutions at every level and in every area, and and that's a piece of the trust that we need to rebuild and. That's going to be a long time coming. Oh, you bet. Long time coming. And my Not first piece easy. of advice is don't invest in FTX. So, uh, <laughs> but in, until until another show, we've got about a minute left. I'd like you to talk about your book that will be soon for sale. Well, it will be it'll be this uh, this spring. I hope it has made it. Uh, the manuscript is in. The uh, Routledge Publishing is checking it out, and it's in the production chain, so it's it's working its way through getting the pages laid out and pictures put together, and then we'll get proofs. And it's really been an interesting process. It's fascinating, and now that I've I make it through this one, I think I'll have to do another one. <laughs> well, now now that you know the process, it's almost the process of elections, and uh, hopefully we'll know what it's going to look like 
next spring. So, you know, that's uh, something we'll have to have you back on for in the next month or so to talk about that book writing process, maybe a little bit what your book's about. And if maybe we'll see a, a, a movie about Madsen coming from your book. But uh, anyways, it was a lot of fun to have you on. It's a college textbook. I'm pretty sure they're not going to make a movie out of it. Uh, well, with the entertainment going on these days. Uh, you just never you, know. You never know. But regardless, Sulani Madsen, thank you so very much for spending the time with Tim, I, and the listeners here on the Right Spokane Perspective. We really, really appreciate you a lot. All of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, you got to go visit this Washington Braver Angels website, folks. WashingtonBraverAngels.org is where you need to go. Please surf that particular website and glean uh, anything that might be helpful or useful to you and yours and maybe get engaged you can't be part of the solution if you're not part of the dialogue you bet all of that being said you father you fathers and grandfathers out there gather up the family glorify and praise god give the family a great big hug and a kiss remind him you love them a lot make sure that you polish off the thanksgiving leftovers and then take them somewhere nice this weekend mike and tim we'll see you on monday bye-bye